I'm Chris Hansen. I never listen to None Taken. So last week we talked about that Chinese commercial jet that crashed. Yeah. It's flying like straight into the ground. Yeah, essentially, yes. Did you see the name that was on that passenger list? Did you see any of the names on the passenger list? There was one that stood out. No, all I saw was that everybody was confirmed yeah. uh, dead. It is oddly enough, one of, the... one of the black boxes, but it was damaged, and they've yeah. got another one that they're trying to find. Um, yeah. yeah. So does the name Fang Fang mean anything to you? Uh, Fang was a dragoon from Final Fantasy Thirteen, but other than, sure. I don't know who Fang Fang is. Of course you don't, Alan. That's just your liberal bias showing again. Yet oh. again. Is my liberal bias showing? I'm it's sorry. Out. Yeah, it's out. Shit. Uh, I it... I zipped. <laughs> Ew, that's what you call it? Anyway, I um so so Fang Fang is a Chinese spy that compromised uh Eric Swalwell and like a bunch of other Democrats and uh and then left the country without getting arrested. Oh, I was unaware. Now I've actually done a fair amount of internet sleuthing. Mm-hmm. You did I, your own research? I did my own research. So <laughs> Fang Fang, the person that was on the inter- the, the passenger list, um, okay. is the commercial the, the CFO for a, um, a technology company in China. And so not the same thing. I can't thing tell. I can't tell. Oh. So when I look into it, you can't find any good um like bios uh on like describing the per- like okay so they're like fang fang has graduated from this university blah 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 in like 2003 born in like i don't know whenever they said and mm-hmm. but but at one point it said it was a man but in other articles because i just started reading articles about it they were saying that it was a woman and and then it doesn't it this compounds things it's not that uncommon of a name i guess there's like a i was gonna ask yeah yeah there's a Chinese like poet or writer with the same name. So I don't know. I haven't got to the bottom of it yet, but that, I mean, that's as good of an explanation as the plane made an oopsie and drove straight into the ground. Like it was some kind of a hit. And I mean, I, I'm not sold on it yet. I'm not trying to sell you either, but like, can you at least see my curiosity on this? I can see, is this a, uh, is this making the rounds in the uh, conspiratorial? Nope. This, is, this, is, this is a, this is an original. Oh, all right. Original, yeah. All right. Yeah. I like it. Um, I think though this week, I think I might've found a piece of audio that is even more terrifying than that. Okay. So before I play this, um, so this is audio, a passenger recorded mid flight between Dubai and Albania. Okay. Listen to this and try to imagine that like, while, while you're hearing this, try to imagine that it's in an entire cabin, like every passenger like at, all at once doing this. So it's you ready? I'm ready. All right. Baby fucking shark. This oh my god. This fucking pla- I th- I can't I can't even want to hear it anymore. This is horrifying. This this plane is they've got a crying baby and the baby's crying so bad that all the passengers are just like, why don't we all sing Baby Shark to this fucking? Ba-? Alan, where the fuck is DB Cooper when you need him? This is my worst fucking nightmare. <laughs> Should we hit record? Yeah, one, two, three. All right, you ready? I am ready. Are you recording? Yes. <laughs> All right, well, you want to start a show? Let's start a show. 
That podcast is filling your head with garbage. No offense taken there. Well, it sounds like none taken. Welcome to None Taken, the internet's only debate and current events show with your hosts Dustin and Alan, two political nomads from two different worlds. Shout out to Reverend Peyton's big damn band for the use of their song Ways and Means for intro music. Thank you for joining us. The time of this recording, it's Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. It's a great day for America. <laughs> I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And Alan is in the San Francisco Bay Area. We are here recapping another week of current events and sharing way too much of our tragic personal life. I've got over 40 pieces of audio in this week's Sounds episode. Please subscribe right now wherever you're listening to this. We don't have an advertising budget. You are our ads. If you haven't left us a, re- a review on iTunes or Spotify, please leave us a five-star review and be sure to tell your friends about us. You can find None Taken on all the major social apps. Sorry, True Social. If you'd like to help <laughs> us out financially, search for None Taken on Venmo and chip in what you think is fair. We're the one with the zebra in the logo. Your support keeps this show going. Be like Slick It's Digital for all your SEO and marketing needs. Hell yeah. Alan, what is up? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Um, had a really nice week last week. Uh, weather was nice. Well, it rained a little bit, but it was it was a beautiful week in the Bay Area, and I had some some good times. Um, so let's see. Friday night, I had uh, yeah, a couple some, concerts. You did? Yeah, I went to a concert. I went to see what? We Were Promised Jetpacks. Friend of the show, uh, state yelling champion, had some tickets that uh, he wasn't able to use because he's all busy at his new uh, business venture over there in Berkeley. Uh, and, and so he's like, do you want to go? And I was like, hell yeah. Um, I'm so, so jealous. I was, I was like, sounds like he has more than one ticket. Why don't I get to go? <laughs> yeah, you want to fly <laughs> I out? I did. Well, I mean, no, not. Actually, there is a story about that. Uh, so, yes, there were two tickets. And so he gave me both of them. And I was like, okay. So I texted a couple of people like on Wednesday. I was like, hey, I got tickets to the show. Do you guys, you know, you want to go? And so a couple of people said no. And then finally, a friend of mine who I don't hang out with a whole lot, but, you know, we've definitely hung out, right? Mm-hmm. We used to work together. Uh, we don't anymore, but we've hung out since then, gone to barbecue, stuff like that. Yeah. So I go, hey, man, Cookout. like, what are you doing Friday? Um, and he's like, I'm not doing anything. And I was like, well, you know, you want to go to the show with me? I know he likes, he has pretty wide musical tastes. I was like, you know, I don't really know this band either, but they sound cool. Um, you know, SYC is a, a very good judge of musical talent. Right? I trust him. Yeah. So I was like, uh, I'm sure it'll be a good time. You want to go? And he's like, yeah, man. So I was like, I sent him my address. It's like, okay, just meet me in my place, like six-ish, whatever. Show doesn't start till like nine. We got plenty of time. We'll grab some dinner and then we'll head to the city for the show. So he's like, all right, cool. So around six, I text him. I'm like, hey, man, like just texting when you get here and I'll, I'll come up and get you because it's kind of, I have to navigate you down to my place. No response. Oh, wow. And then, like, 6.30 comes around, nothing. 7 comes around, nothing. I text him, like, hey, man, like, you still coming out? I got ghosted, dude. Like, Wait, wait he never responded? He still hasn't. Hey, do you, do you remember that time you did that at my wedding? <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> no, you actually, you you fessed up to it. You're like, dude, I'm like, it's, it's been killing me. I, I just love putting you on the spot. <laughs> you know what you did. <laughs> 
I know. We're still friends. We're doing this show together. We're still friends. Yeah. No. And I mean, honestly, it never got in the way of any of it. Plus, fuck that. That's my first wife. None of that matters. (laughs) Listeners that don't know, Alan was going to be the photographer at, uh, I mean, Natasha Earmuffs at my first wedding. And uh, the the dress rehearsal night, I was like, well, who wants to be a photographer? My dad's got a camera. Oh shit! It all worked out, dude. I'm kidding. It all worked out. Yeah. Uh, anyways, where, where was that show in the city? It was at the Independent in oh, no. San Francisco, okay, which cool. I had never been to before. Actually, I've been to most mid to small venues in the city, but I hadn't been here. It was a really cool venue, perfect size, I would say. Yeah, I looked at well, you, that video you posted was fun. Yeah, I'm a bad judge of like crowd size, but I would yeah, say no, it's probably right. maybe 300. I was going to say there. that number based on that video, but I also don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but man, it was a lot of fun. The band was great, man. They're they're kind of I guess you'd call them like indie pop. They mm-hmm. kind of sound a little like uh, Arcade Fire kind of. Okay, they're from they're from Scotland, so not the vocals don't sound like huh. that, but sort of the the guitar does. the uh, The guitar player dude kind of looks like John Lennon a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's totally by cool. accident, right? Yeah, and when he plays like when he, the, the faster parts of the songs, dude, he looks like he's like attacking the guitar. Oh, it's really cool. cool. Like he's just like. Flying. I'll look for them. I'll see whenever if they come to Nashville. That's cool. Absolutely recommend. Uh, ten out of ten would go again. Sweet. Yeah, they're they're great. We were promised so, jetpacks. We were promised jetpacks. You hung out cool with Tim. Oh yeah. So Saturday, I hung out with Tim and his girlfriend at Armistice. We had a few beers and just dude, Tim's such a cool dude. I know. Like, I could just like hang out with him. We just chat for like a couple hours. No, he's it so like good. intelligent. Like we don't have to agree on shit, but we can talk. Like me and you. Yeah. No. Definitely. Like, definitely. So he actually. He lives close to close to where I now work since I've transferred locations. So we're planning to meet up a little bit more often since I'm pretty close to him. We can meet up in like San Ramon or Danville That's or cool. something like that. That's so cool. Plan to hang out with him a little bit more in the future. But yeah, we had a really, really nice time on Saturday. It was a beautiful day. Um, and Army had some great beers on tap. So um, that was nice. Um, what else? Oh, I started a little garden today actually at home. Nice. So yeah, I got me some. What you growing? Some, some tomatoes and okay. some peppers and okay. some, yeah, some basil. basil. Yeah, there you go. And no garden. Some rosemary, ah, you know, sure. herbs and shit like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I got a little space out here, so I figured You'll have well. to post pictures on the gram, Alan. Oh, I shall. Okay. I shall. Speaking of the gram, uh, my sister, uh, who's been uh, working on, she's been like really interested in crocheting uh, over the last year or so. She's been making like little tops for herself, little hats, things like that. So she's starting a little business where she's selling that stuff. She got a really cool uh, little logo made for herself uh, last week. She posted it on the Insta. If you follow me on Insta, I, I posted it on my story. You would have seen it. She's Lily's Love Knots on Instagram. So give her a follow. She got some cool stuff. How do you spell Lily? L-I-L-L-Y. Okay. Is that the only way to spell Lily? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's cool. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and she's got a business on there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. She's selling Very little, cool. little crocheted items. Right. Well, any listeners that get any, take a picture and tag us. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's always oh, it my turn. Yes, it's your turn. Oh, okay. Well, um, <clears throat> I'm a little nervous. Oh boy. I have, um, I have like a major announcement to make. Okay. It's, 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 it's pretty personal. Um, it's significant. It's, uh, you know, like people that are closest to me probably kind of know it about me already, but like, it's not something I've really shared with everyone. Um, I mean, like, I, I think you could probably pick up on it from like a lot of context clues, but I've just never felt confident saying it before. Oh, I'm nervous. Um, I'm a homo. Ner. <laughs> 
Can you believe it? <laughs> I congratulations, man. Yeah. No, I'm super happy for you. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, I signed the papers. I uh, uh, I'm I'm done with this joke. I'm sorry. I thought I could get like a second punchline <laughs> out of it. I'm like, no, that's it. Uh, yeah, man. We signed our uh, closing paperwork today, and we got keys and everything. And I'm still stuck in this old dusty old piece of shit. <laughs> Fucking hollow ass floors and rickety like you, drop you move them. this weekend uh, no so we're gonna rip out floors and we're gonna rip out carpet and install floors uh, in three bedrooms and then we're gonna move everything in so the plan is to get as much of that done next weekend um maybe the weekend after and then we'll move in on the 15th 16th nice yeah congrats man thank you I, that's I, awesome I, the, that's the nervousness deal. was genuine for one i don't want to just come on here and brag um you know this comes from a place of being certain I was going to rent for the rest of my life like two mm. years ago. So, yeah. um, you know, me and Natasha made a plan and we stuck to it despite a lot of obstacles coming up in the middle of it. But, um, you know, it's, it's really worked out great and I couldn't be happier. And I talked about it last week, but it's official now. Um, so yeah, a lot of people have given me congratulations. Thank you. It's appreciated. I really like, I'm not, I mean, I remember like seeing people, my friends buying houses and being like, that's cool. I guess that's something I'll never experience. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's really surreal. And uh, I, I'm nervous, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of money to spend on something. Yeah. Um, no, it's really going to be great, man. Yeah. It's going to be great. And you have a lot of skills that are going to help you as a homeowner too. You, you're a very handy dude. So oh, I'm sure you. you're going to have, you're going to be good. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, can, can we talk about some of my other personal life? Yeah, okay, let's, let's, let's get it. We'll get into the show real quick here, but just a couple other things from my weekend that I thought were notable and worth sharing. Um, mm. Natasha thought there were three point plays in hockey. <laughs> what? Yeah. How? I don't. I don't know. She was like, "Well, if it's Is like from like... really far away, yeah, yeah, like a oh, goalie." Oh, you shoot it from the half. Yeah. The other side. Of... Yeah. Sure. Okay, okay. I mean, honestly, a goalie should miss that. It's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> unless it gets like a weird hop, right? But yeah. uh, her friend goes, "Well, they get extra points in baseball, like whenever you hit one of those moons over my hammy or whatever." What? It took me a second. Fucking grand slam from Denny's. Oh, yeah. my God. Not joking. Wow. And she's like, well, I knew it was on the menu at Denny's. <laughs> That's the frame of reference. Dude, they don't like sports balls. Um, Clearly. She was a wow. nut. She, this is Emily. Uh, she's a crazy person in the best way. Oh. When we were out uh, on was a Saturday night, um, she insisted on telling all the bartenders and then calling the server over and telling the server to his face that he looks like Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. <laughs> now, okay. he took that well. He said, thank you. I'm like, have you seen American Psycho? And, and he says, I get that, or Tom Cruise, which is hilarious because who is Patrick? Who is Christian Bale doing an impression of in American oh, Psycho? Oh, Tom Cruise on yes. the uh, Letterman show or yes, something. yeah. Did you ask him about his skincare routine? I didn't. No, I was I was mortified that this was even happening. I mean, my was she was a few on. drinks in, or this was just uh, she what? Emily's normal? Was she? Was she oh, she was a few drinks in, but she's um, eccentric. Uh, okay, yeah. got it. Okay, yeah. that was our weekend. We had a friend in town. I bought a house. You know, fuck. Yeah, things you do uh, on weekends. Can we get into our news? Oh no! What? Wait, before news, comedy, comedy. Oh. These are two returning uh, comics on this uh, little roundup that I like to do here. First is uh, Andy Woodhull, and it's he's got a little bit about being a stepdad. I identify as stepdad. That's my thing. I'm no longer married, so I'm not technically a stepdad. But I believe you divorce the wife, not the kids. That's how I live my life. That's how I live my life. That's what the dad says at the beginning of Clueless. So that's what I go with. <laughs> 
It's weird being an ex-stepdad. You know, here's the way that I like to look at the situation. I thought that I was the closer. I thought I was coming in to close this game out, take these girls all the way to adulthood. But it turns out, I was a middle reliever. <laughs> That's also an important position on the team. They brought me in for the team years. Those are some of the most difficult years to pitch for. And the kids are 18 and 19 now. They're doing well. We have a good relationship. I think they're going to be great humans. But just on the off chance that they're not, I do want it on the scorecard that when I was pulled from the game, we were up. <laughs> <laughs> Is that nice. a baseball joke? That's a good baseball. The, la- the like listeners it. get it, right? Yeah. Well, maybe Emily won't. But. Emily might not. No, that would be a stretch. <laughs> well, she understands points. Yeah. Uh, okay. Other returning guests. That wasn't funny. What? A, what? A, that I'm like the middle comic that comes up and fucks up a night of comedians. <laughs> um, so again, returning guest because uh, he knows he's here. Uh, Nate Craig and mm. I've, I've, I've. So this is his specials from I think 2020. It's so fucking good. I'm gonna run out of Nate Craig. I'm going to run out of Nate Craig clips eventually, but until then. I saw a guy in a Nissan Versa with a Hawaii license plate. Not in Hawaii. (laughs) Which means that he bought a boat ticket for a Nissan Versa. And I just want to say, man, you got to trust you gotta trust yourself to get to another verse <laughs> you're gonna get there man life is a series of verses it's a $1,500 boat ticket it's at least half the value of a Nissan Versa what are you doing? you can't do that you, I'm not saying ditch it in a parking lot walk away like there's a bomb in the trunk I'm saying get on Honolulu Craigslist flip that Versa it's probably a very nice Craigslist in Honolulu have a little fun get a couple things for the road flip your Versa add it to your Versa boat ticket money find a new Versa I think the amount of times he says Versa in it just makes me start to laugh. It makes it better, right? Yeah. yeah. You got to trust. That? You got to trust that there's another. You got to find another. You're going to find it. <laughs> oh, there's someone out there for everyone. That's a great joke. I know. Yeah. It's great. Um, okay. Well, let's start our How About That segment. Um, oh, wait. Hold on. That's not how I want to do this. Okay. Well, uh, hey, change the format. Let's get into the big news story of the week, Alan. Oh, Okay. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. I'm joking. This is the how about that segment. We are not going to treat that like it's real news, but let's have some fun with this. By now, we've all seen the memes. We've seen the memes. We've seen all of the all memes. of the memes. Yeah, we are not here to regurgitate meme jokes at you. Um, we want to talk about sometimes this. Sometimes we are. Not sometimes now. we are. Alan, shush. We don't want them. Where do you, that, I make up my just asking questions, and if you're insinuating that I'm getting them from memes, that's not fair. <laughs> I make it a point to not take those. Every once in a while, I, I, I no get credit. I such insinuation. Okay, well, I guess I'm just... Okay, I'm on edge. I'm sorry. Okay, That's not fine. fair. Uh, too much Don't worry, I'm not going to slap you. It's, okay. it's fine. Oof. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, well, it wasn't a good joke, so that seems to be There's the bar. That. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about this from maybe a couple of angles that I'm not sure I've heard other people talk about. I also wanted to be able to like digest my thoughts on it um, mm-hmm. because our show comes out midweek and i don't want to say something that would be a hot take for monday you know right right, right. Um, so there I, I i will say i don't know if you've heard this yet there is a new recording that came out it was someone else in the audience and it's a different angle let me see if, you, if you've heard this one okay Fuck my mouth. i'm going to okay <laughs> Fuck my mouth. yeah 
Nice edit. That was nice. I, oh, thank you. I, uh, that one I did steal. Okay, that is a, that's exactly what I said we weren't going to do, huh? Nobody's got. This is why people have trust issues. Okay, I I, I want to say I've never heard anyone isolate this part yet, and I actually think this is my favorite part of the whole audio. Everyone's heard the whole audio. Chris Rock says a GI Jane joke. He continues on. He says something along the lines of like, "Hey, that was a nice one," which I think was foreshadowing what I'm about to play here. Um, and then you know, Will Smith slaps him. Um, this is Rock after the slap. <laughs> I could, oh, okay. Did you hear that? I think he said I could. I, I, yeah, joke, I, maybe. I, I think yeah. he said I coulda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could, oh, okay. What do you Wilson think that back. other joke was going to be, Alan? I don't know, but I'm sure it was hilarious and even more offensive than the first one. Are, are we just dancing around this? <laughs> he was like, if you want me to make a real joke about you and your wife, I can. Because of the whole cuckold yeah, situation, yeah, yeah. At the open marriage situation, I think they both do. Uh, people, right. change, I, I don't think by definition in that type of a relationship, the man gets to go outside of it. But people love getting carried away with definitions they're unfamiliar with. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so a lot has been made of that. Like, so first of all, I see, I have seen people, including people in the media, come out and say that, you know what will smith did was right he was defending his woman's honor oh yeah there's women that said like it turns me on that he did that it's like dude this is that's, that's what, this is what abusers bullshit. do yeah like, he that's went exactly the, what he, i was gonna say yeah he went the I'm same sorry. guy the same guy that does that is gonna like also hit a woman like that's just he, i mean i'm not saying that well, will yeah smith sure is check abuser, the jaw but. lines of see if you could check the records of the jawbones of the women in chivalrous societies yeah, it's not good. It's not, like so. To, any sort of violence like that in response to words is not okay. And, and I mean, I'm I'm glad that Chris Rock, you know, kind of just took it in stride and chosen not to press charges or anything like that. But I, I, Will Smith was clearly in the wrong. He was out of his fucking mind. I don't know I mean, what else is going on in his head to make him want to do that on live television in front of a thousand people. Oh, I do. You know, I mean, Oscars, I think that but... he was he's been dragged for years about his role in that uh, open relationship. He mm -hmm. is feeling himself at like the height of accolade, if not the height of his career, it's the height of accolade, mm -hmm. right? Like he was getting the best actor award of Hollywood. Like that's. But that almost what he I'm, did. I'm just, like, I'm just saying like that's a spotlight. I, of course I'm not. So, but like people do irrational things, right? So I'm saying, saying this he is, was kind of, this was is the chemical line. mix of somebody that would yeah. make a bad choice, right? That, but I'm, I'm not going to armchair psych him. I'm, I'm saying that from what we can glean from what we know, what we know about his, how, how, how he must feel in, in terms of being insulted in that relationship over the last few years, having mm -hmm. a joke about his wife, feeling like, you know, first of all, he laughed, seeing he that she was upset. First, yeah. and, and, you know, and then you have that while you're, you know, as inflated egoically as you probably ever will be. I, I'm not saying yeah. any of that makes sense, but to steal a, rhyme, a line from Chris Rock, I can understand. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. It was a perfect storm. And uh, I think Chris Rock really did a great job of just sort of, moving on like he was just like he just slapped the shit out of he me said and this. he said this kept going he, he said just, this that was a greatest night in the history of television okay <laughs> you know I, you, you said you said that he wasn't uh he, he wasn't bringing charge pressing charges i, I don't want right. to move on past that actually so i i think this is really worth talking about and i haven't heard anybody talking about this either the it chris rock is 
you know, you might think of him as like one of the most successful comics ever. And therefore it's easy to lump him into like sold out, whatever definition that means. Right. But you know, comedy means something to him, right? Like it's definitely, he, he yeah. has a, a self, he has self-reflection. Um, and, and he knows when he presses charges now he's creating a legal, a legal precedent about audience and comic interactions to perceived insults and you know how a, how a comic's gonna have to deal with a heckler going forward, and he's just like, look, we'll leave things exactly how they've been. It, you know, there's probably gonna be a spike in people thinking this is an okay, an appropriate response to things because we emulate celebrities, but hopefully we also emulate him in this. You know, he put his hands down and leaned his chin, chin in. He said, I know what you're gonna do. Go ahead, and then what else could you do? He won. He won in that scenario, right? Oh, he definitely won. I but no, I don't know won. if that. <laughs> so I don't know if if there would have been an escalation in the way people would have sued comedians or, or or comedians could have sued their audience over heckling. I think if if Will Smith had just said what he said about keep my wife's name out of your mouth and not engage in violence, I would have looked at that differently. Yeah, I agree because uh, that's the line. Is like it's just this yeah. words don't like. It's a fucking meme in political circles is that words are violence. Words are not violence. Here's your words point. Are not violence, Here's no. your example. Of, and like a lot of those people were the same people that were saying like, you know, this was wrong for him to go up and attack him. It's like you almost get it. You almost fucking get it. <laughs> you almost got there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that would have you know changed litigation at all, but um, Chris Rock definitely came out on top here as far as he held the higher ground. He refused to just sort of. You know, he didn't freak out and call security or ask yeah, or know, fight him back get, or or tell the crowd to get him out of there or it's any been of that. a while since Chris Rock on. was the scrawny, you know, pookie from right. Uh, what is it? New Jack. Like he's I'm not going to say he's swole, but like I'm not fighting Chris Rock. Like <laughs> he's got old man strength now. <laughs> can I, can we Indeed. move on? Let's. OK, let's. Uh, let's go. OK, back to the jokes. Uh, let's see. I need to find clip number 141. Here it is. Instagram is cracking down on child predators by hiring dozens of professional pedophiles to test its program for vulnerabilities. Instagram says what? pedophiles have already been able to prey on hundreds of children in just a few days, and the data will be used it's to protect onion. children in the future. Instagram says it has only hired the most skilled and cagey <laughs> pedophiles, so parents can sleep safe knowing the platform is secure. Instagram officials added that on an unrelated note, if anyone has information on the whereabouts of these men, please contact them as well as local authorities. I'm Chris Hansen. I never listen to none taken. Okay. <laughs> the onion sometimes outdoes themselves with these uh, these yeah, headlines. That one was a little too real, right? That was a little too real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me get back into my notes. Um, so the the oh 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 one of the, okay. So last week when we were recording, we we recorded at the end of the first day of uh, Katanji Jackson's. What are they called? Hearings? Confirmation, confirmation hearing. hearings. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was a lot of other sounds that came out of that. Did you hear the one about Ted Cruz grilling her over her trial history with her sentencing, as far as uh, people who were caught with child pornography? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. even had audio from one of them trying to show that she had like one of those circuses for a courtroom. Do you want to hear it? I did not hear this. Yeah. Here. Why is it that Tracy Marcinko's curls were ruined when she got hosed down? My answer is I don't have the first damn clue. 
Isn't it the first cardinal rule of perm maintenance that you're forbidden to wet your hair for at least 24 hours after getting a perm, at the risk of deactivating the ammonium thyglocolate? It's stuck. I I'm can't an educated stop. man, but I'm afraid I can't speak intelligently about it. <laughs> and wouldn't somebody who's had, say, 30 perms before in their life be well aware of this rule? Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? And if, in answer? fact, you weren't washing your hair, as I suspect you weren't because your curls are still intact, wouldn't you have heard the gunshot? That's right. And if, in fact, you had heard the gunshot, Brooke Wyndham wouldn't have had time to hide the gun before you got downstairs. You want answers? Which would mean that you would have had to have found Mrs. Wyndham with a gun in her hand to make your story plausible. Isn't that right? You can't handle the truth! You, however, had time to hide the gun, didn't you, Chutney? After you shot your father. You're goddamn right I did! <laughs> Legally blonde and a few good men yeah. mashup. Is that what that just was? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was too good like to it. not find a way to wedge into the show. I, I was like, like I'll put it in the first half where we do all the silly noises. I've um, never heard that before. Is is Legally Blonde just my cousin Vinny, but for like women? Like, legally <laughs> sure. Vinny? Okay. Right. Sure. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen so, either of those movies, but I'll go with, I'll sure, go with that. Sure. So I, I do have a real media clip from the Katanji Jackson uh, hearings hearings um the this is from the reason podcast the reason roundtable podcast and they were bringing up the uh senator from my fine state of tennessee um and the question about whether she can define what a woman is and i actually appreciated this response on there marcia blackburn who is really not you know dragging the uh, IQ, the average IQ of the Senate up, you know, towards three digits, <laughs> stumped her with the question of, she asked her something about like trans rights. And uh, the nominee said, I'm not a biologist, so I can't answer like who is a woman. Yeah, to, to define a woman. I have to say, I read that uh, somewhat sympathetically as her just figuring out a way to say, fuck off with this without saying the words, fuck off with this. Right, like I was talking to somebody online, I was like, this. it was a bait, baiting gotcha question. And it was a way of diverting that. Like, I, you're, you're taking too much from this statement. Like, there, there's more to this, but do you want to chime in there? No, I agree, I agree. It definitely was a fuck you, I'm not dealing with this question. Yeah. Um, I did see people <clears throat> saying it, was, it wasn't a great response. And like, you know, if you say, uh, I don't, there were examples of, you know, you, you say you're not a, um, a geologist, so you don't, you can't yeah, and, and define people, a rock. And like. people were saying like, you know, well, just give your opinion on that. You don't have to. And it's like, well, here, here, her response is more. Yeah. Confirmation I like, I, I don't think, I don't think that was like her expressing a radical skepticism about the notion of womanness. You know, oh, no, no, but I, mean, she was, I think she was like, she, I don't want to do this. You know, or maybe she like many, many people in America are still trying to sort some of that out. And she was like, let me not ruin my own life and potentially the lives of many other people by splur blurting out some dumb. Right. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, makes that, that makes sense to me. And it's also like it really doesn't hold any bearing on like what it would mean well, to be a judge. For her to be a SCOTUS yeah. Yeah, judge. A SCOTUS. Yeah, I <clears throat> I agree. I mean, a, a lot of that line of questioning between Cruz and Holly and Blackburn was completely irrelevant to what her job would be if she were on the, to sit on the Supreme Court. Um, and I thought she reacted very well to all those questions. And she there were many times where she kind of just took a deep breath and kind of you know, got herself together for a couple seconds before responding because she was just asked, just asinine, ridiculous questions after over when, and over. That, that point when <clears throat> Durbin and Cruz were going back and forth, you let <clears throat> me talk. You don't, no, you don't get to talk. She was just like looking back and forth and like raising her hand and like opening her mouth to speak. And she's like, yeah. all right, well, once you gentlemen can, like, she looked like the most fucking reasonable person in right? the room. Like, she's like, if you guys can get done measuring your dicks over there, like, yeah. you know, I'll answer the question if you want me to. I, I've heard good enough things about her with over decisions she's made. There 
there was something with um I think somebody wanted somebody was arrested at an Occupy protest for you know I don't remember the details but she basically like she like laughed it out of the court um basically it wasn't about like the Occupy it was about whether they confronted a cop or something like that and she dismissed the QI and was just like look this is like you're making too big of a deal out of this interaction uh QI qualified immunity yeah yeah okay yeah yeah no I think I think she's a great judge I think she's gonna serve well in the Supreme Court I genuinely don't know enough about her to say that I think she'll be a great judge I think she's as good as anybody else that's been there uh I wish I learned more about her and they didn't ask stupid questions about pedophile (laughs) recommended sentences and you know ignore things like what was the age of the um the uh not the victim but the um the defendant you know, a lot of times, not that anything is okay, but, you know, it's, it's a bigger impact on someone's life to lock them away 10, 20, whatever recommended minimum is uh, at 18 than it is, you know, somebody who was not just a teenager having material on their laptop. I, do, yeah, well, am I the, skimming so, too much over what those cases were? Because I'm sure you No, I think that. people know, but I'll just, I'll say a couple of things about it. So I think that <clears throat> she wasn't alone in... Um, sentencing well below the the federal standards there were a lot of judges that did which seems to indicate that there's a consensus that the federal standards are are not are too high um and just to be clear on what these people were convicted of it wasn't that they were actually involved in creating uh this pornography it was that they possessed it so i mean those that's a very different thing i mean still you know obviously should be punished under the law but it's, it's not it's not the same thing and and I don't feel comfortable continuing to say things that sound like I'm sympathetic to them. I'm just saying that that this was being leveraged, and it was an attempt to turn this into. Uh, they were they were attempting to control the narrative of that, and it, of the American people didn't really buy into it. There was pockets that do, and I tend to interact with those pockets. And even, <laughs> right. I, but like I see that frequency of those types of things going around, and even in that uh, that way, I, this was a lower intensity than uh, than I'm accustomed to. Maybe that's a good sign going forward. Maybe that's just uh, her as a candidate, maybe being a good candidate, you know? Yeah. Palette cleanser? Yes, please. Millennial DIY. Hi! On today's episode of Millennial DIY, I'm going to teach you how to paint a ceiling. Um, Speaking of Kurt Cobain, um, the drummer for Foo Fighters, Fighters. not the Taylor Foo Fighters, yeah, Taylor Taylor Hawkins, he passed away. Um, I haven't heard that it was confirmed that it was a drug overdose, just that there was a lot of drugs in his system. Um, it's apparently a drug overdose, right? Um, I've heard rumors of that as well. I haven't heard anything confirmed. Okay. Um, and I say Kurt Cobain to say, you know, poor Dave Grohl. I mean, by I, I think I heard that this guy was his best friend. I, I know they were very close. The, and Free I mean, Fighters is You must close. like someone when you're the drummer in the band where you're a drummer. Like he's like no 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 I I like you that's why I want you in the band it's like well, you're a drummer like yeah I mean man Dave Grohl's such a good guy <clears throat> it appears I think, to be I think yeah I mean obviously I've never met the guy personally but all the stories that, sound yeah yeah he seems like a real genuine dude um, and you read it I've read things about you know like after everything happened with Cobain like he kind of went back to his home where his hometown and just you know just sort of decompress and he still does that occasionally apparently um just a really grounded dude um maryland right 
Yeah, I believe it's in Maryland, yeah. Uh, with all the fame and all the everything that comes with that, just the ability to even like keep your head together yeah. even while things like that are happening is is just impressive for a human to pull off, I think. Uh, it sucks, man. I, I um yeah, there's <laughs> we we lose good ones, you know, to things like this too soon, too often. Yeah, yeah, we do. And and there's a shortage of them. And you know, so let's uh this is not intentional, but it works conversationally. Leaving our how about that segment going into isn't that something first topic? Why there's a lack of middle-aged pop stars and we damn it, we lost another one. Don't you miss when music had middle-aged pop stars? The songs were just better. Because you didn't need to be sexy or cool. You just had to be a great musician. Like Phil Collins, one of the greatest musicians of all time, looks like a Russian mechanic. Remember this song from Pretty Woman? Look at this guy. Receding hairline, probably divorced. Imagine they made a pop song for a big budget romantic comedy now. They'd get some 17-year-old with no life experience. But if you're making a movie about picking up prostitutes, you get a guy that picks up prostitutes. <laughs> Tina Turner released What's Love Got To Do With It when she was 44. You'd think a 44-year-old woman would have a number one hit song now when we've become so ageist and vain? We're probably missing out on so many great artists because they don't look like 12-year-olds. Beauty standards are way too high as it is. You don't want to feel bad about yourself when you're listening to music. Throw on some Michael McDonald not only will you get to dance, but you'll also be reminded of how nice it is to not have to worry about turning into a werewolf. <laughs> Nobody gets what Michael McDonald looks like. That's funny. Yeah. I've never been a Michael McDonald fan. No, me either. Just, um, I can't forget I'm not in love anymore. Yeah, yeah. No. Not even that one? Not even that one. No. Uh, it's got I like Cher, though. Cher had some hit songs that like she was like 50 or I've something. I've never right? really cared for Cher. Really? Yeah. Is that a, oh. I got a confession to make. Share share over uh, Michael McDonald definitely. Ah, uh, ooh. I mean, I really like that one Michael McDonald song. That's, <laughs> you really like yeah. that one song. And, and oh, and he sings that one about nachos. The, the wise man chooses nachos. There's a really good parody of that. Yeah. I just don't like that vo- that singing song yeah, voice. Yeah, sounds like a like. shaggy dog. Yeah, I <laughs> like it. That's how I talk to my dog. I do a Michael McDonald impression. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a that this happened with uh, there was a tennis tournament and Nadal returned to serve and it went wide and hit the ball girl who was. Oh, I forward. did see this. Right. Listen to this audio. It's great audio. Smoother the actual surface. Wow. Oh, oh boy. See the young ball kid. It's been hit there. Good. And Rafa showing immediate concern. She's good, I think. Oh, that's a wonderful moment, Just though. Right above the cheek, like right on the forehead. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's going to sting. Yeah. Here. Wow. Ooh. That just sounded so bad. Okay. Um, can I play some libertarian propaganda for you? Oh, please do. Okay, here we go. The failure of governments to allow a free market of pharmaceuticals has led to an unimaginable amount of damage to the citizenry of the U.S. and Canada. In the U.S., Monopoly pricing through patents restricts access to life-saving drugs for millions of lower-income individuals, and individual property owners are prevented from utilizing their own property and skills to offer the same drugs at competitive prices. I mean, can you argue with that? Wait, he's saying there isn't a free market of, of drugs? Right. Oh, because of patents? Because of patents, yeah. And so... It would bring uh, competition and lower prices. And make them more uh, readily available to the people that need them because of that. Um, so, I mean, I guess the whole uh, argument for patents is that 
these companies invest massive amounts of money in R&D, and therefore there has to be some reward for them at the end of the rainbow. I think that that makes sense in a world where it's difficult to find financing, but like in our modern economy, like now that we are here, I think that, that, you know, there could be competing streams to gain that income to per- perform those that reach that R&D, you know? I mean, now... How the, long do the patents last now? Do you know the number off the top of your head? No, I don't know. I think maybe that might be a solution as far as... Just reducing uh, the Reducing the number of out- years that they last. That, that might help. Because they still get, you know, some windfall initially, but uh, it goes to open market much more quickly. I think maybe that might make sense. I mean, I'd be happy with that as like a middle version. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just thought that was interesting. I saw it as a meme. Where was that from? It was, so it was on Instagram and it was Spawn holding up a convenience store worker and saying it to him. I was like, oh, oh I see what you did there. You got my attention. Uh, it's from a book, uh, Patents, Legal Monopolies, and the High Prices for Drugs by, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. Spawn used to come on HBO on like Sunday nights, uh, like the animated version. I oh. used to watch that every week. That was so much fun back in like the. <laughs> yeah, he was 90s. cool, violent one. Um, yeah, Todd McFarlane. He was a. Oh yeah, yeah, the creator. Yeah. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, he, his stores are cool. Um, yes. So I don't know. Did you hear this story? Was this was this national news? The Redonda Vot story. Doesn't sound familiar. So it's a nurse out here in Tennessee that accidentally gave the wrong medication to a uh, uh, patient and the, I almost said customer, uh, the wrong medication to a patient. And and then she admitted to it to try to she bring attention to it, to try to see if they could save the patient. Or maybe it was after the fact, but she admitted to it right away. And she was tried. And this is her sentence. On count one, what is the jury's verdict? We, the jury, find the defendant, Redonda Leanne Vault, guilty of gross neglect of an impaired adult. As to count two, the lesser included offense, what is the jury's verdict? We, the jury, find the defendant, Redonda Leanne Vault, guilty of criminally negligent homicide. You may be seated. So it wasn't her sentencing. It was her... uh... Conviction. Trial. Trial, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so she's going to go to prison for it. And I have mixed feelings on it, you know? Like, I ulti- I mean, I feel like there should be consequences to making a mistake that kills somebody. Um, you know, in my line of work, if I leave a gas valve open or, you know, don't connect the fitting properly and it causes fire or gas leak or anything like that, like, I'm, I'm obviously on the hook in some way. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't... I don't feel like, I mean, especially because she like, she admitted, like she brought, she brought it to people's attention that it happened. Um, uh, I mean, we've talked before on the show about like people who choose to perform certain jobs, take on a certain amount of responsibility and sometimes risk, you know, for instance, somebody that decides to be a police officer sure. or decides to to be a doctor or, or in her case, a nurse, I guess. Um, is this like a cop shooting someone? Well, I, you know, she made a mistake. Well, but there are cases of police death. doing that and it's clearly an accident. We get upset when we feel like it's less than an accident. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I'm curious, I guess, to what the conviction means. Like, is it, uh, is it a monetary, uh, no, issue? it'll be is prison it, time, but we'll find prison out. Time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I okay. don't know the sentencing. Yet. I mean, it sucks. I mean, and the fact that she, you know, self-reported is, you know, I'm sure will 
be looked upon favorably by the judge that sentences her, but or I hope that it would be. Um, but there are consequences to your actions, and you did some, you fucked up, and somebody died. Like that, there's gonna be consequences to that. Yeah, yeah. It's just man, it's just I'm torn. Like it's really hard to just be like, yeah, so prison, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like saying like lock her up and throw away the key. You know, that's yeah, not at right, all. right, right. Yeah, and I feel like I've said that before. It's like, yeah, I get it. Like you wish this didn't happen, but it did, and you need to be punished for it. Yeah, hopefully it's a you know. It's just I, I, there. Whenever I start thinking about years of people's lives taken from them, it's like oof. I don't. I just. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into our politicians. You want to start with the right or the left? Oh, uh, let's start with the right. Sure. Okay. Um, this is a short one. I've been playing clips of uh, Tucker Carlson from a few weeks back. So here's Tucker Carlson. <laughs> Why do I care what's about going on in the conflict between Ukraine and Russia? Because, and I'm serious. Like, why do I, I tell care? You why. And why shouldn't I root for Russia, because, which I am? Because, what a guy fucking perfect like he just i mean it's like I, I i it's like you wake up one day and you're like i wish there was just an audio of him saying the exact thing and you're like oh my god it exists like it just did yeah <sighs> i yeah i don't even have like a lot of rebuttal to that it's just like i think that stands on its own i think anybody yeah. that's paying attention can just be like okay that's it, let's know, not clearly. forget that he said that like it's entertainment yeah. and let's like you can't hear that and then also hear seriousness and take him seriously but i i follow this account that does a lot of fun with like uh log, log, spot the logical fallacy and stuff like that and so i really like them they're informative in a lot of ways but they'll like break down tucker segments and talk about like what he really means and what's true about it and i'm just like just why like, do you do this with other things that are borderline satire? Like, <laughs> uh, like the, if he was in on the joke, it would be satire, right? Right. Okay. So that's why it's not funny. That's why it's not funny. Okay, yeah. Yes. Um, okay. I knew that. <laughs> um, so speaking of things that actually aren't, no, we don't do that. We don't do speaking of. Uh, okay. Moving on to the left. We have Biden in Poland. The fact that you have so many so many Ukrainians seeking refuge in, the, in this, in this uh, country of Poland. We understand that because we have in our southern border thousands of people a day, literally, not figuratively, trying to get into the United States. But First of all, he did his literally, not figuratively shtick or the, or the I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like, I just, do you think it was really appropriate to compare it to the Mexican border? No, but that wasn't the worst thing he said this week. So. Yeah, no, don't worry. We're warming up. <laughs> okay. um, I have this to play for you because I'm not done with this story. I don't have much more to add than this because we it, it's not in the news. Here. There are 50 former national intelligence folks. What's he talking about? Uh, I don't know. What is he this? This was about? when he was debating Donald Trump and saying that oh, okay. his lap that his son's laptop was clearly not his son's laptop, and citing this as evidence. So, like when we like like I, I'm not saying like I, me and you are on record saying this seems suspicious. I'm not going to be persuaded by this right now. I'm interested in this, and then we read books about it, and we're like, oh wow, that's a fucked up laptop, and that's true. <laughs> But like mm-hmm. we, you know, that that wasn't going to be what swayed my election, right? Like what his son's business dealings, because also I didn't vote for him, but I didn't vote for Trump either. So don't think you like me, Trump guys. Uh, I mean, it's okay. You can listen. That's the point of the show. But like, I'm not right. who you think I am, probably. Um, the do I want to say that? I don't know, but, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was just gonna say I've been. I, I looked at some of our comment section on our Instagram post, and maybe we need a little more none taken of it. Yeah, I know, dude. <laughs> Holy shit! I mean, that guy clearly doesn't listen. Um, the yeah, the yeah, one obviously. guy does. 
but which is crazy because I I literally disagree with most of what he says, but me and him have discourse online and it's fine. And then this other guy is constantly attacking him. And I'm just like, dude, you're so unreasonable. Like no one's going to listen to you or take you seriously. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was I was reading some of that this morning. I was like, oh, wow, a little yeah. spicy in here. I stopped checking in on that one. I was like, you guys have fun. I know yeah. both of you can fight for yourselves. Um, here's that whole clip. <laughs> okay. There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. The vast majority of the intelligence people have come out and said there's no basis at all. Who do you think is behind this? Well, the Russians would be my number one guess. Obviously, Russia would be the chief suspect. This I mean, it's not about guess. Rudy Giuliani is peddling uh, very well could be connected to some sort of Russian government disinformation campaign. CBS News has learned the FBI is now looking into whether the information found on the device may be part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Another wonderful propaganda coup for Vladimir Putin, seeing the president of the United States holding up a newspaper promoting Kremlin propaganda. Yeah, don't don't pay attention to it. It's propaganda. I mean, the, like it, it, I, it's fair to be critical of the media for being wrong and distrustful of the government for telling us to move along, right? Yeah, I think there's always like um there there are hints of truth in in the propaganda which makes it more effective, right? Of course. Like, yes, of that, course, yeah. That there there definitely were you know, Russia was a bad actor. Russia did do some things, um, but it, it made it easy f uh, for the media and for the talking heads, you know, at all to sort of point to that and say, well, this is clearly just a Russian op as just a throwaway because we know Russia has done lots of bad shit. Um, and it was coming from Giuliani to the New York Post. And, right. you know, it was easy. Not for exactly the most to, credible of mouthpieces. It, it really wasn't. I mean, I'll look at the New York Post. I'll take I mean, I, I shared a video this morning from the New York Post because I was like, well, that looks legitimate. I don't have any reason to really doubt that. But, you know, they come across as a tabloid. I know they're an old newspaper. I'm aware of who founded them. Blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, they, they don't have the best reputation. They just don't. Um, right. It doesn't mean that, you know, that it should have been swept under the rug like that. And I think that the more time goes on on that, um, I wouldn't say like I have any kind of an about face on it, but it's, it, it's pretty well, I mean, easy to see I, how it's, it's, it's pretty easy to be critical of the media over that. Right. They're handling. I it. remember saying on the show, you know, in real time when this was happening, that I thought it was wrong that Twitter was preventing people from sharing the article like yeah. that, that, you know, that if, if we're going to have some sort of information ecosystem, that's, that's fair. Like you can't, just blockade things you don't agree with because right. you know yeah no i agree well um we're on the subject of misinformation so let's swing into our big topic which is going to be ukraine i have um i i, I want to i'm going to give you an audio of biden first to set the set the scene and then okay. i want to take you on a reminder uh i'm going to take you in the way back machine to obama's red line saga um, oh, and then okay. I have a couple of clips from the media that I think were worth pointing out, just kind of picking on the media of this, too. So let's start with Biden. Um, he makes it easy. This battle will not be won in days or months either. I, I, this, we need to steal ourselves for the long fight ahead. This rhetoric, like, does that disturb you? Does that get you nervous? Like, do, what does that sound like he's talking about to you? Um, another Cold forever. War. War or yeah, or Cold War. War. yeah, 
I mean, yeah. it, it sounds like it. It sounds like if we don't even engage them militarily, we will. It'll be like Vietnam. It'll be like Afghanistan, and we'll just have to endure this the way our parents did. And it's fucking bullshit. Like he's got like I've got another clip that I think kind of picks on him. That basically he's got an old operating system, and he's fucking. Uh, he goes on to prove that with his next point. So just as a scene setter, literally the sentence before what he's about to say, he's saying, you know, we have to be prepared for a new Cold War. It's like, it sounds like that's what you think we need to be prepared for because you're a dinosaur. Hey. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia, for free people refuse to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light. Dude, he's doing great. Decency and dignity of freedom and possibilities. Right. For God's sake. Pretty good. This man oh, cannot Jesus. remain power. Oh, what the fuck, Joe? Like, like he was doing really well, and he was like, like Will Smith. He was feeling himself. He's like, you know what? I'll do one more. I'll ad lib the, the the fucking gaff heard around the world. He just ad libs that at the end of his fucking speech, and the, like the speechwriters and everyone at the White House and the, the administration, State Department is like, did he just advocate regime change? Like. Like on on orders of magnitude worse, like more difficult than it was in Iraq and Afghanistan. Like, is that what I heard? Because is that what it sounded like? Oh, I think there was a uh, a a unanimous uh, exhalation and shaking of heads by all State Department officials throughout the world at, at hearing that. Um, it, yeah, he. <laughs> Man, uh, he he does tend to ad lib, especially towards the end of uh, you know a speech or towards the end of a sort of thought. He'll throw in a couple of extras there. Um, that was not good. That was so. Just to be clear, like Putin already believes that America's goal here is regime change, and right. has for some time. And like I said, uh, when he, Lindsey Graham goes out and says that last week and two weeks ago, it's like stop saying that out loud. Like they yeah. they will use you saying that to bolster their propaganda that that's what the West wants. Yeah, and, and you know, immediately the, the White House started to walk back these remarks, and well, then Biden yeah. came out and pressed. We'll, we'll play some more. I, I've got that later on. Okay, Let me right. play this reaction from the Reason podcast. This is, this is from the Reason podcast again. Um, they're, I, I really like their insight and their takeaways on this. I almost said it, so let, let's hear them say it. Yeah, I think that Biden, you know, comes from an era and alluded to that era in the speech in which this was somehow something that the U.S. felt that it got to decide. And he still has kind of the muscle memory of that time. And that's what popped out when he ad-libbed. I mean, we, you know, when we watched the State of the Union this year, it was very, very noticeable if you were looking at the prepared speech of the text that each of Biden's stumbles was also him extemporizing. Like, like, like I said before, he's just, he's got this old operating system running around or running this legacy piece of hardware. And that's who's running our fucking government. Like that's, it's very frustrating. So like when he faces scenarios, he's like, oh, I know what this was like when I was in the Senate 40 years ago. That's when Russia was the bad guy. Well, this will be a Cold War. And you know what we've done in America? We call for leaders to be taken out. And it's just, we've stopped wanting to do that as a country. And he can't fucking remember that. And I, I'm actually being more critical than I even think is fair. So let me play some more audio. By the end, I, I if you have something to say, I want yeah, to... Yeah, let me respond a little yeah. bit. Um, so... While he should definitely not have said that, and I, I, I won't defend him saying that in any any way, shape, or form, um, he didn't call for the assassination of Putin. That's fair. The way the way Graham did. Uh, he 
he didn't even. Yeah, but it, it's a, is that a distinction without difference in terms no, of it, how Putin perceives it? Well, from Putin's perspective, no, it doesn't matter. Okay, well, all all this was for one Putin of the positions was, we should care about. All for Putin, all this was was confirmation of what he already believed. Um, whether you know Biden said this or so not. So you're saying that's bad enough. So aside from that, what you're saying? What I'm saying is that he definitely should not have said this, and he definitely crossed the line he should not have crossed. And you don't want the president of the United States sort of off the cuff making U.S. foreign policy uh, regime changes, right? Like it's that's definitely not something that you want. Uh, but he he didn't he stopped short of of going all the way. I think so. I'm, what I'm saying is, yes, it was bad. It was horrible. He shouldn't have said it. I'm saying that I, I think that the, some of the criticism is a little bit over over the top. Um, based on what he actually said and what people are interpreting. Well, as. I mean, we that's an age of hyperpartisanship, right? So sure. it's just you're going to get those voices and then you're going to have the usual suspects amplifying them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we'll come back to that, actually. So I want to sort of set the table with that. Then I want to remind you about Obama's red line saga. I think this will actually transition as well into a few more topics about Ukraine afterwards. So um, do you recall just the basic, like, what was the beginning of what led to Obama's red line st- uh, statement in regards yeah, to Syria? It was, it was the civil war in Syria with Assad. Uh, and he said that if Assad, the Assad regime used chemical weapons, that that would be the red line where America would there after uh, get involved in that war. Right. Okay. Well, so the first clip I'm going to play is Obama saying pretty much what you're saying, just to sort of let you know what his line in the sand was um, and and how this the reason I'm playing this is this is kind of considered his biggest foreign policy gaffe his um, uh, the, the, uh, the worst red mark on his legacy in terms of foreign policy amongst politicos I could think of a couple other things but I don't you know <laughs> having like what did he have like Wednesday morning kill list meetings wasn't that it was something like that right like once a week he'd have a secret meeting they'd go over who their kill list was and then they'd say yes or no to sending drone strikes after people like I don't know about the meetings but yes there was like an unprecedented amount of killings by drones yeah. um, in his administration okay you don't have to believe me that's fine um, here's the clip <laughs> we have been very clear to the Assad regime but also to other players on the ground that a red line for us is we start seeing a whole bunch of chemical weapons moving around or being utilized. Uh, that would change my calculus. That would change my equation. They even had Biden backing him up. The president believes, and I believe, that those who use chemical weapons against defenseless men, women, and children should and must be held accountable. And even uh, Secretary of State John Kerry. As previous storms in history have gathered, when unspeakable crimes were within our power to stop them, we have been warned against the temptations of looking the other way. History is full of leaders who have warned against inaction, indifference, and especially against silence when it mattered most. So a few days later, they had got no support on this with uh, the UK or from Merkel. Before we move on, can, can I just add a little bit of context to kind of this whole situation? Um, so when, when Kerry talks about the consequences of doing nothing, I think what he's sort of referring to there is, is the Rwandan genocide, mm. um, which had a, had a huge impact yeah, on it did. 
the political elites at, of the time, right? Yeah. Of of saying like we stood by and did nothing and watched, you know, not watched, but allowed all these people to be murdered and massacred. Um, and then there was, you know, everything that happened in the, uh, you know, Serbia post. Well, it's that. because we um, were doing things, that we were intervening in other cases, and we didn't yeah. So there was happen. this, there was this very, there was this push and pull as far as when intervention was necessary and needed or appropriate, right? And so they chose um, Iraq, and so this is, <laughs> this is sort of, I, I think you can't understand what's happening what we're talking about here if you if you don't understand that context sure. going into it. I think that's fair cuz these these are old politicians that were involved sure. in that era as well. So yeah. yeah, yeah, they have regret from that time period. I've long believed that our So this was uh the 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 strikes never came, right? So this was came. yeah, so this was Obama's response to that, sort of spinning it, um but this is his way of coming out of it without looking like he didn't take action right so he promised line in the sand red line means if someone crosses that you take action and then he didn't the the, the gas was allegedly used alan i have an alternating an alternate theory uh from the uh, uh reporting from the intercept seems to prove that um at least in the later uses that gas was uh was not that those were false flag attacks but i'm not doing that I, i'm not here to prove that now um you can read it on The Intercept. It's a free article on theintercept.com. You search Syria, false flag, gas attacks. The The point is, those strikes never came, and this was his way of sort of taking action anyway. Power is rooted not just in our military might, but in our example as a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And that's why I've made a second decision. I will seek authorization for the use of force from the American people's representatives in Congress. The bill never, or the, the proposal never made it into Congress. They never took a vote on it. Um, and a few months later, Obama was making this statement. Um, like I said, this case, he's kind of spinning it, but very clearly is affected by the, the, the sort of the acceptance that this was like a, a failure for him in terms of foreign policy. I would note that uh, those who uh, criticize our foreign policy with respect to Syria they themselves say, no, 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 we don't mean sending in troops. Well, what do you mean? Well, you should be uh, assisting the opposition. Well, we're assisting the opposition. What else do you mean? Well, perhaps you should have taken a strike in Syria to get chemical weapons out of Syria. Well, it turns out we're getting chemical weapons out of Syria without having initiated a strike. So what else are you talking about? And at that point, it kind of trails. So, so essentially, just to summarize what we just covered with, with Obama and that red line, so he he drew the line uh syria crossed it allegedly um he found that he had no support from the international community to follow through on his threat and so then he decided to send it to congress because he felt like he needed that backing for his for that move to have some you know authority right he never got that so he didn't go through with the strike i think that a large percentage of the people that would criticize obama for not following through on his red line would criticize him more heavily had if he, he followed, did. I agree. Had he followed through. He, um, but he put himself there. That's why I'm saying this, yeah. right? Okay, you understand. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? I oh, you got Okay, so let's check in on our commander and chief, okay. as Marjorie Three Toes calls him. So, as we all know, he drew a line in the sand early on, committing to not sending U.S. troops right to, yes. to this war in Ukraine. Um, and now he's calling for regime change. That's like I said, orders of magnitude more difficult than we failed at in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, and I think it's worth adding this next clip 
just because of the, 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 the sort of the, the statement, not so much the tone. When you hear the tone, you'd be like, oh, that's a nice old man. Um, <laughs> but, you know, maybe add this into his list of, I wouldn't call them threats. I'd call them warnings, right? Isn't that what someone says? Like, are you threatening me? I'm like, no, I'm warning you. <laughs> First sure. question. So you've warned about the real threat of chemical weapons being used. Have you gathered specific intelligence that suggests that President Putin is deploying these weapons, moving them to position or considering their use? And would the U.S. or NATO respond with military action if he did use chemical weapons? You know, on the first question, I can't answer that. I'm not going to give you intelligence data, number one. Number two, we would respond. We would respond if he uses it. The nature of the response would depend on the nature of the use. So uh, we'll cover how that's kind of been hijacked in a, a future clip. But just in terms of that, that to some sounded like he said that if gas is used, we are going to engage now. Um, I, I got to say, I love that when he said, like, can you tell us your intel on that? He's like, no, I'm not going to fucking tell you my intel. Uh, like, why would I tell you there's an active war going on and you're asking me to give away information to the other side? That's like, yeah. so uh, where do you think the Germans think you're landing on D-Day? <laughs> um, let me just add this clip to that, too, because like we said, we're just playing sort of his rhetoric. Like when you have someone in a war. So this is a little like press conference while he's walking. He's got a mask on. You can barely hear him. He's an old mumbling man through his mask. I met two people from Mario. It's, uh, it's, it's astounding. What were the is commitments this, what with is this, I mean, Ukraine? You, you see this, and you're, you know, you're dealing every day with Vladimir Putin. I mean, you, you, look at what he's done to these people. What does it make you think? He's a butcher. That's what it makes me Did think. you make additional commitments? Thank you guys. Oh, time to go. Yes, Sorry, but this press conference is over. <laughs> Musaf Ranch should have told you. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is as he's like walking through these refugee camps in Poland, right? That's yes. Kind of his, yeah. Okay. And, okay. and, and I get it. Like, you know, that got printed and that got isolated in terms of just that last part. Biden says he's a butcher. I'm not saying it takes anything away from that, but the context of that matters. He was also asking questions, answering questions about the refugee children he saw. Um, and, you know, I thought that was in general a very, um, it was a, a relief to see that kind of interaction from the president. And I want to play all of that while I'm grilling him a little bit here. Um, so I'm kind of setting all that up to play this clip. Uh, you, you know, just like I had played before that that red line for Obama sort of is a, a black mark on his legacy. Uh, now Biden's kind of being grilled by none other than Peter fucking Ducey <laughs> trying to nail him for, you know, sort of backtracking on the the statements that we've presented. And you know what? He can speak just fine for himself. Let me let him tell you. Are you worried that other leaders in the world are going to start to doubt that America is back if some of these big things that you say? Does he talk like that because he thinks the president's dumb or his listeners are dumb? <laughs> I, I couldn't get into his head if okay. I tried. They on the world stage keep getting walked back. Let's get him walked back. It made it sound like just in the last couple of days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon. And it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia. And we know... None of the three occurred. <laughs> None of the three occurred? None of the three. Mr. President? You, you, you interpret the language that way. I was talking to the troops. We were talking about helping train the troops in that are the, the Ukrainian troops that are in Poland. That's what the context. I sat there with those guys for a couple hours. That's what we talked about. And when you said a chemical weapon 
use by Russia would trigger a response in kind? It will trigger a significant response. I think that he was actually really careful in his wording to what he said the U.S. response would be to Russia using chemical weapons in the Ukraine. I, I think that the Ukraine. Hold on, you keep saying the Ukraine, and it bugs me every time because that's Russia calls it the Ukraine to signal that it's a region within Russia. Oh, like the, the, that's a part of our language because it's it's like a it's a colony. Like, a colony. like Kiev. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think, I think that he his words were chosen very carefully. He didn't draw the line that Obama did. He said, if chemical weapons are used in Ukraine there will be a response. And when he was asked, you know, what the response would be, he said it would be proportional to, you know, what the, the use of the chemical weapons by Russia. He did not draw a red line and say, if they use chemical weapons, we're landing troops on the ground. He did not say that. Um, I, I think that's very key to point out. I think I think you're absolutely right. And that's actually where I've been building to all of this. I think that he was in that administration. He understood that mistake, or at least his advisors had gotten that to him enough that, that we are not drawing the same type of red line that your former boss did. And we're going to avoid that trap politically and uh, geopolitically, what <laughs> war, war wise. Um, however, when he fucks up and says shit like by, by uh, what for, was he say by God for the Putin's sake? Got- yeah. Putin, yeah. Yeah. Putin needs to be out of power. I mean, that, that is not a red line, right? But no, it's not a red line, but it's not helpful. It's not helpful. Let me play the rest of this clip because there's I they, he gets grilled a little bit more about something else. I think it's substantial. What is that? Mean? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, let me back Why that up. Why would I tell I you? That. You got to be silly. <laughs> you said a chemical weapon use by Russia would trigger a response in kind. It will trigger a significant response. What does that mean? I'm not going to tell you. Why would I tell you? You got to be silly. You got to be silly, Peter Ducey. You're silly. You're silly. The world wants to know. The world wants to know. The world wants to know a lot of things. I'm not telling them what the response would be. Then Russia knows the response. Uh, um, I love I that. I still want to get back to your original words that he cannot remain in power. Can you help us understand you have more foreign policy experience than any president who has ever held this office? Whether those are your personal feelings or your feelings as president, do you understand why people would believe you as someone commanding one of the largest nuclear arsenals in the world, saying someone cannot remain in power is a statement of U.S. policy? And also, are you concerned about propaganda use of those remarks by the Russians? No and no. (laughs) Tell me why. You have so much experience. You are the leader of this country. Because it's ridiculous. Nobody believes we're going to take down. I I was talking about taking down Putin. I was expressing my outrage at the behavior of this man. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. And it's more an aspiration than anything. He shouldn't be in power. There's no, I mean, people like this shouldn't be ruling countries, but they do. The fact they do, but doesn't mean I can't express my outrage about it. So like I said earlier, he's got that bad operating system. It's based on the way we used to run things. He says things off the cuff and it comes out with that old language. It's like your racist old grandpa, except, you know, (laughs) Just changing so government. There's nuclear war on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly different. But like, you know, I, I was I'm really happy that you kind of came to the same conclusion I did. I, I if I made you think I was staring the other direction, I just wanted to set it up really, you know, no, with, no, with really. the full way that it's been presented to us. I mean, these were sound bites that have been as much as you can misinterpret them, I would say somewhat willfully, with the exception of that last one. I think that I think that this press conference was I mean, if it weren't for Peter Ducey asking him that shitty fucking question, I would say that they set this up so that he could actually have an explainer for misinterpreted sound bites. 
And, you know, I would just ask you, Alan, how do you think Trump would have took that type of a question? Do you oh, think wow. he would have said, no, that's not accurate. You're misinterpreting what I said. He would have said fake news. and move It's on. fake news. I never said that. You can go back and check the tape. I would never <laughs> say that. So we have you saying it. That's not me. This is why no one believes you. Like, it's just like, I just look, I'm not happy with Joe Biden. But like just yeah. that small angle of it is so fucking like like we're in a pressure cooker, right? We don't have one thing after a fucking another. We have all the things happening at fucking once. And there's a mm-hmm. lid on this thing that isn't it's latched shut. So like nothing feels good. But in that pocket, I was able to breathe. Like I just I like that difference. Yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, it's no buying Greenland, right? <laughs> he tried to buy it, it Greenland. No, I, I know. He was serious about that. Okay. He really wanted to buy Greenland. Uh, so, okay, where is Biden's red line then, right? Like, is it not being involved militarily? Or is it not getting involved unless there's chemical weapons used? Like, can you see that there's confusion here? And do you think that confusion is intentional for uh, Russia? Or do you think it's by accident and bad for our allies and U.S. policymakers. I actually think he's been pretty clear where his red line is. His red line is NATO. Um, he said, if, you know, step one foot into a NATO country and it's on. Uh, I think he, he that's his red line. So uh, it's I think. on like Michelle Kwan. <laughs> yeah, I really do think that's where um, I. If uh, a bomb were to fall in Poland, um, I could see that escalating, and I think that's his line. Yeah. Well, I guess it's good to know that, but you just said that. I was like, well, that's plausible, and now I'm terrified. I mean, I've heard foreign policy experts say that Article 5 doesn't necessarily mean that we go to all-out war because something like that were to happen. Um, And Poland's been escalating, or not escalating, but they've been warming up in the corner. So if something happens to Poland, hopefully Poland can stand up for themselves. They have, and, and NATO's committed more troops there and, and supplies, et cetera. Um, the last I, thing Russia needs right now is, an other, is another front. Like, I, can they really afford to even? They should understand that really well. If, Which makes me worry about the types of weapons they would use. Well, let me play this clip from The Economist. Uh, this is from their weekly podcast, Checks and Balances. It's a little bit about what the, 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 the gist of this is the U.S. and the West are running out of easy ways to try to curb in what's going on with Russia. And which is kind of scary because it hasn't sounded like they've been easy ways so far. But here's we point. had the invasion has gone on. The fighting has continued. The Ukrainians have impressed us with their valor and their bravery. Uh, the Russians have appalled people in terms of their behavior and the pulverizing of cities. So there is this cry for people to do more. But to do more means to do more dangerous things. Now there's talk of providing uh, much longer-range anti-aircraft missiles. And the Ukrainians are saying, give us some planes, which the Poles seemed ready to do, but which Americans belatedly said, no, we think that's escalatory. As the days and weeks go on, then people will start to reach for some of those solutions, uh, some of those responses that seemed unthinkable a few days or weeks ago. And the problem is that nobody really knows how far you can go in fighting what is essentially a proxy war against a nuclear power. Which sounds a lot like a new Cold War, right? Like we could come back. Sounds a lot like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean we'll get into it I think in the Friday show, but there there is some progress it looks like on the diplomatic front. Still very cautious to be optimistic about that. 
What's that? They met in Turkey today, right? Yes. Which yes, is, I did. suppose, an improvement than the Belarusian border. I yeah. Um, you mean so where you guys invade from? Both uh, both Ukraine and Russia seem to sort Wait, of save make it for some. Them. Okay, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about it Friday. But, uh, yeah. The so There's hope. well, here's here's what. Uh, so when we think about this as a potential new Cold War, what are the similarities and the differences? Uh, Russia is not Soviet, uh, the Soviet Union. It doesn't have a global ideology as attractive. It's a much diminished foe. And China is a much greater foe. So to the extent that there is a, a leader of this alliance, it's China rather than Russia. So Russia is the acute threat. China is the what the Americans like to call the pacing threat. Or as a diplomat put it to me, uh, Russia is a tsunami and China is climate change. Man, when I heard that, I was like, what? <laughs> I was driving. I was like, ooh. Well, first of all, I got to put that on the show. Second of all, damn. Like that, like you don't have to give that a second thought. Like that just intuitively makes sense. And that's scary because tsunamis suck, right? Yeah. Yeah. But so does climate change. But if climate change um, is real. Oh. I don't know that. I don't think that China has any interest in a cold war. I, I don't. That's not good for business. It's not good for their economy. Yeah. Um, Unless they think yeah, they, they can otherwise run their economy, but they certainly um, have issues with the West, and they think the West is in decline and they're on the rise. But they're playing a long um, game. But they're playing a long game, and, the, and we'll and collapse a, on our own. They don't need to get involved. Yeah, <laughs> a cold war isn't isn't good for them either. Um, and, and Russia represents a very small percentage of their trade um you know worldwide yes it's a small economy yes yeah so like i don't know i don't see russia and china joining up to to, you know bring on the next cold war i just don't see that in china's interest i i tend to agree with you i tend to agree with you i mean i and i certainly hope so um so steering back into ukraine specifically um updates on mariupol and uh comparisons to aleppo um, the, just the destruction and example to the rest of Ukraine is being made in Mariupol just to show them, you know, what will happen if you don't give up. And here's... And of course, all of this is reminds you very much of Aleppo. And that seems to be the calculation the Russians are making. This is a very, very cruel campaign. Uh, if you want to make sense of it, you would only say that Russia is trying to make a, an example of Mariupol to warn other cities like Kharkiv, like Chernigov, which are almost in a siege, almost surrounded by Russian forces, what might happen if if Ukraine puts up too much resistance? It's a very desperate tactic. If this is what victory looks like, I wouldn't want to know what defeat looks like. It's powerful, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been in the Russian playbook for a while. It's it's what they did in Syria, as he talks yeah, about. Yeah, it's a KGB in- tactic. What they did in Chechnya. Uh, I mean, it's this is kind of what Just they do. All out violence, terrorism, essentially, uh, shock the populace. Those who don't flee will surrender, right? Yeah, that's the that's, that's the, the plan. intent. I, yeah. I think that the miscalculation here is that that works on a smaller scale, perhaps. And yes, they're they're inflicting massive suffering in some of these cities like Mariupol, but it's not going to work uh, on a scale the size of of Ukraine as a country. Like that's just. They don't have the manpower to do it, um, and the Ukrainians have the fight within them to to push back. And again, what does it cost you, right? Like, you know, more so than just your loss of life, like, it costs your country's reputation, like... It's already cost like, that. I know, but, like, the, the 
the destruction of all the innocents. Well, here, th- so one of the guys on the ground that we talked about a lot is Cossack Gundy, a uh, volunteer, uh, and he's been in the Donbass since I think 2016, maybe 2014. I think 2016 though. Um, and they, he describes how they fell back from their positions to um, the border of Mariupol. And um, this is just a really good update from somebody who's on the scene. Just a quick message, just uh, confirm I'm still alive. It's March 22nd. Um, just a quick message um, about the situation here. We still control the city. Um, Ukrainians are fighting hard day and night. The wall is tremendously strong and they're not going to be submitted by Russian imperialism. And my second message is about the situation here for the civilians. Um, when we were pushed from off defensive front lines, do you hear, do you hear the shelling in the background? Yeah, I did. I heard from it from the uh, Donbas sector. Gradually, day by day, we were pushed back to Mariupol, and since we've come to Mariupol, we're now on the outskirts, defending it, just on the very like outer districts. But since then, Russian forces have continued to target the civilian areas where we're not located. And I, I know this firsthand because I've watched it. I've watched multiple Grad vehicles like launch their rockets into the civilian areas behind us and this is the russian military so if they're as professional as they say they are then they would know who they're targeting multiple dead casualties every day um and i really feel from because there's, there's, there's nothing they can do that i mean at the end of the day they they're not a part of this war like there's no need to target them. There's guy. There's you saw in the news like the uh, Mariupol theater in the city center where civilians were hiding in like where they thought it was safe refuge. That was targeted by an airstrike. That entire building is now leveled. Um, so yeah, if I don't know how much people care about what I say, but like if if there's Americans or fucking British that fucking care about the fucking shit that's going on here and then pressure your fucking politicians to fucking do whatever else they can do because the airstrikes are the biggest problem at the moment and not because they're targeting us it's because they're fucking targeting like civilians indiscriminately so when he's talking about like pressuring our congressmen i don't feel like there's a lack of pressure on them to fucking quote unquote do something and the something that they might do at this point has me more nervous i, I it's I, this is a really weird position to be in I it don't is. feel like I have a clear desire. Like, I don't know what I, I want our government to to be able to fund them in ways that they can support them because I think that we would be, you know, like we said, we're not officially allies with Ukraine. Uh, but I think that with the just the humanitarian crisis, uh, any any way that you can can help, I do I do support. Um, I don't support the idea of sending troops and I just, what's, I mean, you fly a plane over that's sending troops, right? Like using aircraft. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we talked about that before. We've talked about that enough. Um, so yeah, it's, it is definitely a tough space to be in. Um, it it does seem a little odd to me that the U S doesn't want to provide planes. Um, you know, (laughs) the, the Economist guy said that would be escalatory. I think he like more said of the, that too. Yeah, yeah. I think more of the issue is that Poland said like we'll just drop these off in Germany and you guys fly them in. Yeah, and and that was the thing that we objected to more because like okay, if you have a U.S. pilot flying in and yep. that plane gets shot down, that's a whole other thing. Oh, man. Um, and they would love if, to shoot it down. Yeah, if 
Poland itself were to move those planes into Ukraine, I think that would probably be okay with us. So, uh, but it is it is a really tough place to be. Like, what do you want your politicians to do? What do you want your government to do here? We don't want boots on the ground. We don't. At the same time, the humanitarian suffering is terrible. I, as I said, we'll talk about it in the Friday show. But I feel like there are starting to be some off ramps appearing for Putin, where he can exit this situation and still save some face. And and that gives me a little bit of hope. I don't have any audio about it. I had a couple of podcasts that talked about it, but I just didn't have anything clip worthy or that I could like get a small clip from. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot no of worries. long clips. We'll but, save it for the Friday. Well, do you have anything about the uh, change of of uh, strategy that that Russia is claiming they're going to be using? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, it's it still remains to be seen whether that is you know yeah bullshit or not or yeah. you know or if actually an actual chance it. for them if they do do it is it just to regroup and then go back you know with... right i mean the places they're talking about pulling out of are places where they've stalled yeah um you know around the north and around sure uh, and it and it, it costs them to maintain those so yeah okay well we'll talk about that more um yeah. let me play so i'm going to skip this next one and just get into uh, the lawfare podcast had a guy on from he's the head of Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, which used to be two different entities. They're the same now. They have the same mission, which is um, you know, broadcasting into uh, Soviet-controlled space in the Cold War. Uh, right? Yeah. So Ra- Radio right. Free yeah. Europe was into Europe, and Radio Liberty was into Russia. The topic he's talking about is getting information in to Russia, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, he'll have a clip where he basically says it's not about getting information in. It's about doing it in a manner that they find interesting and want to share. Um, and, you know, you start hearing this and the more you hear it, you're like, God, that sounds like how spies work. But let me let me just play this. And this is perceived at the other end by certain governments to be propaganda. But it is perceived by the populations of these countries to be true reporting of events inside their countries that they're not getting from their own government-controlled news media. I should add that RFERL, even though it's financed by Congress, is a private company. It's organized as a private company. It's a Delaware-based company. Employees of RFERL are not government employees. They're not civil service people. They are just ordinary Americans and, and citizens of all the countries that, that we serve. Now, one of the reasons that it's organized as a private company is that early in its existence, RFERL was a CIA front. Oh. It was ostensibly <laughs> a private company uh, that was Not secretly even. financed Not. by the CIA. They don't do that anymore. When I was in high school, I remember seeing commercials on television con- contribute to Radio Free Europe. Uh, Radio Free Europe needs your financing to help pierce the Iron Curtain. And I sent money. When I was in high school, to it, I got it back when I was president of RFERL. But uh, the whole thrust of the campaign at the time was that this is a private company that needs money from ordinary Americans. Of course, at that time, it did not really need any money at all, since the CIA was paying for it. But fuck? then, some decades later, uh, it became known that these were secretly financed organizations, and eventually, it was decided that Congress would finance them openly. And that's what it does now. Okay, but that's, but they're not. So it's sounds like it's still the CIA, but now it's just like through <laughs> Congress, right? Like, like so. Some people think that what we do this is how it starts. 
This is perceived at the other end by certain governments to be propaganda. I would wonder why they would think that. It's only the history and funding source of your fucking organization. Now, they like he said, they they don't their employees don't have special diplomatic passports or anything like that. Their employees they have full editorial control at least yeah, as far as we yeah, can tell. Yeah, it's just fun to make fun of. Like that's a, that story is so like you have to trust so much on someone who's telling you how untrustworthy them and their origins are. And it's like, all right, kind of ruins whatever else you're going to tell me. Right. Like, but um, so this is the clip talking about like getting information into Russia. To me, it's not a question of how can we get to every Russian? Uh, the question is how can we get stuff into networks that is sufficiently true and credible and interesting for Russians to redistribute it themselves. Okay. So um, that makes sense, right? I mean, that's how Khomeini did it. Uh, you know that, right? That's how <laughs> like, who? Khomeini did it, the Ayatollah. Uh-huh. Um, Ayatollah Rock and Roller? Yeah. Uh, so he was exiled to France like in the 60s, I want to say. Uh-huh. Uh, and literally him and some people around him, which actually they were kind of using him. Uh, they didn't really align with his beliefs. But um, they would make long distance phone calls into Iran and let him speak for hours, right? They would record these on cassette tapes and then distribute them throughout the country. And that's how he ended up getting a groundswelling of support and was able to return to Iran and take power. Are you saying he had a mixtape? <laughs> yes. He had, he was the original podcaster. Like oh, fuck. God damn it. <laughs> I, I can see it. He's got a boom <laughs> mic. He's got my headphones. He's talking into a shitty laptop on a Zoom connection. To yep. his friends. Wow, that's I did not know that. I thought I knew a lot about that. You know, <laughs> Dulles fire, uh, financed that whole revolution and everything. I'm aware of some of that, yeah, yes. Okay. Just had to add something to compete with you on that. Uh, wow. I'm the one that brings the odd facts. That was cool. Thanks. Um, this next one is, so So the interviewer asks him about like people using previously obscure Discord servers to get information into Russia. Have you heard mm-hmm. about that? Yeah. Like they were unpopular before the war. But like not not in general, just like these individual users weren't popular channels or is there, are they channels on Discord? Or they're yeah, they're, they're Discord servers. Uh-huh. They're essentially is what they're called. It's essentially a channel. Yeah. Yes. So you, you're aware of that? Yes, I've heard of this. Oh, OK. Yes. All right. Cool. I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, well, <laughs> that she, is pretty cool. She makes that into a question for him about how they get interesting information into Russia to the people who will actually appreciate it and find it interesting. And I was actually really intrigued by the methods to everything that he uses. So it's a bit of a long clip. Uh, raise your hand if you want to jump in at any time. We can pause. Some would say, you know, hit him with text messages saying that uh, thousands of Russian bodies are coming back from Ukraine and it's all Putin's fault. And others will say, uh, no, 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 no. That's the that's the worst possible thing. It's too aggressive. You've got to think in terms of where they're at. So you have to you have to message saying that the Russian economy is going to suffer because of this war and you are going to suffer and prices are going to go up and so forth. Uh, and then there are others who can say only Russian and Ukrainian voices matter. So you've got to get some, you know, Ukrainian woman talking about how her children were killed. That is what will touch people's hearts. And other people say, no, 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 that's too, that's too personal. You know, it's got to be more about you know, Russia has been disgraced in front of the whole world and and now we can't travel abroad and our cultural figures are being scorned around the world. So everybody's got their theory. The correct answer, in my view, is that 
All of these are right, depending on the audience. And that is something that anyone who's trying to get uh, information and arguments into Russia needs to think about. You need to segment your audience and one kind of content goes to Russian doctors and one kind of content goes to Russian teachers and one kind of content goes to soccer fans. Another kind goes to soccer hooligans. Uh, Isn't this what our agencies insinuated that Russia did to our 2016 election? <laughs> like this sounds a lot like what IRL supposedly did, right? It does. Okay. It does. I mean, I, you, he was he was the head of a media corporation, yeah. essentially. I mean, you can, you know, all of the baggage that comes with it is, is you know, I think kind of not relevant to his position there now. Um, so being the head of a media corporation, he understands how to market to. You know what? That's of, true. That's true. Of, of your um, of your base. Right. So I think that makes sense for him to, to, to put or, it in those sort of terms. Who else would be really good at presenting themselves as what you just described? Oh, the CIA. Yeah, a spy. <laughs> you have to have different approaches for these groups. Now, how do you reach them to the extent that, that there still are social networks that we can really get into and use their targeting tools? That does give you the opportunity to, to target very specifically. Beyond that, you know, if you have content that's aimed at young people, then you would try to get that in on some kind of a gaming site, for example. That would be a way you would distribute that. Sometimes, you know, in, in journalism, we say all news is local. So sometimes people will um, take a localized approach. So there are a lot of different approaches here. And the question is really what message for what audience and how can you reach that audience. Sorry, I just got me on a little bit of a tangent. I heard something today about which I wasn't aware of um, that that China actually has um, essentially a, a similar type of thing in Africa, a media company where they distribute um, television, etc, other types of media. Um, and they include mostly local media and they include like 10% of it is like Chinese shows that are dubbed into whatever local languages and Chinese news and propaganda. Wow. Um, similar sort of thing. Huh. It's like OAN. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and um, they now have a military base there. Uh, did mm -hmm. you see that base? Again? So did, I don't know if you saw the details, but it's like a half square mile uh, surface area and then like 50 miles underground. Like oh, it's, wow. Yeah, I it's a massive structure. Yeah, it's got a bunch of helipads That's and a some James here. Bond shit. Dude, it's terrifying. Um, yeah, yeah, but like we said, they are playing a slow game. Uh, well, let's move on to um, a couple of things in the media that I wanted to make note of. I think this one counts as media. How do you feel about Abby Martin? I, who's Abby Martin? <laughs> the former New York Times journalist. She had a show on RT called Breaking the Set. Um, and she's she's been on Rogan a few times. Um She's very critical of the left, but considers herself a uh, like former leftist turned maybe conservative, and then and then kind of does what we do, where you know don't we don't really like to identify too much with any party, and by nature, if you're a public figure like that, they just everyone gets to hate you. So <laughs> everyone has a bad opinion about her. But okay. uh, this was her talking about freedom of speech and what happened to her when RT got. Um, basically deleted 
right? Because mm-hmm. like all the uh, archives of RT are not available in the Took US. Took off YouTube yeah. and yeah. They're gone. I have a lot of disagreements with RT and the direction they took after I left the network. But I'm a free speech absolutist and I feel like having the Russian perspective is a crucial thing in this country when we are constantly fear-mongering and warmongering against Russia. So breaking the set was banned. Uh, My entire catalog of critical interviews about U.S. imperialism, about Israel, about Saudi Arabia, all of those were just obliterated in the blink of an eye. This is the equivalent to modern book burning, and many are actually celebrating it without realizing what a slippery slope that is. Now, of course, she's the victim in this story. So, you know, it's like, oh, my God, listen to how I've been canceled, right? Like, it's really easy Mm -hmm. to ignore that. But I I think there's something there. Now, I would say, and it might be better saved for our final word. So let's do the Netflix special trick and put our closer at the beginning. She, (laughs) no, really, let's steal me on this, though. She made a decision to work for a controversial network. And is this just what you get when you work for a controversial network? You, You risk your body of work being deleted? Or is that overlooking the fact that the government is deleting information? And maybe it is worthwhile, even if it's state propaganda, to see what people in Russia are seeing. I used to watch a show on RT. It was, uh, I think it was called Redacted or Unredacted. It was with some comedians, American comedians, and they would sort of, uh, it was like the Daily Show. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, this is a few years ago. I haven't watched it for quite a while. I don't, it probably doesn't exist anymore. But um, I can, Alan, I can promise you it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> well, it, it might exist in Russia. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. So, yeah, I, I can see the argument here, and I, I tend to, generally speaking, come down the side of free speech as well. And I, I think that there is something to be said for. Yes, we can tell that, it, or we may know that a lot of it is propaganda. Maybe all of it is propaganda. Um, but at least seeing the viewpoint might be helpful in framing our response to it, um, and depriving us of that. Um, or just completely cutting that off is not necessarily great for the overall discourse or for if, if we can't understand our quote unquote enemy, then then it's more difficult for us to respond to them. Right. So like, like just cutting all that off, it isn't necessarily a good thing. No, I, I agree. I, I agree. I think that the issue that people are afraid of is that people in America will watch that uncritically and it'll, you know, influence them. And I think well, that's but they're going to do that problem. with OAN and Fox yeah, News anyways. Exactly. What's the right, fucking right. difference? I mean, I just played you a clip of Tucker Carlson. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, people. I think a thing that's notable in her career was that she, during the 2014 annexation of Crimea, she uh, closed one of their episodes of her show condemning the military intervention, the fucking war, um, the annexation of another country's land. Mm-hmm. It's theirs now. Everyone there speaks Russian. Like, it's not uh, up for grabs anymore. Because everybody left or they evicted yes. everybody. Yeah, I'm not saying it was a good thing, yeah. but everyone there speaks yeah. Russian now because of Russia. Um, yeah. So uh, after that, she says that um, – so a lot of people insinuated that she was, like, reading from a prompter, so she was, like, a hostage or something. Um, mm-hmm. She claims that executives are like, no, if that's how you feel, go ahead and say it. But they did also tell her that they're willing to take her out to Crimea to show her that it's not what she says it is, which sounds a lot like that story where it's like, hey, Vietnam reporter, we don't have a helicopter for you. We just have a Jeep. Go ahead and take this Jeep over that hill. And, you know, yeah, that's not. Then you look into the log of everyone who's borrowed that Jeep. Like, 
Yeah, not, <laughs> not the best move. So she didn't do that. Um, I don't know. I think that she's a controversial figure, but I think it's because she doesn't fit into a major ideology and people fill in the gaps of what they want with what they are assuming about her. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have any um, – I don't, I don't know anything about her. I've never – if I, I have read her stuff, then yeah. maybe I, I'm not aware of it. So I don't eh. know where she comes from. I mean, she's not bad at her job, but she's, um, you know, she's a instigator. She okay. believed that fluoride was a hoax. <laughs> okay. Government pot, plot to poison unwary Americans. Uh, how do you feel about chemtrails? She uh, probably believed them. She thought the, uh, She thought the election was rigged. Um, Which but, one? But, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I think 2020, but I don't know. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, uh, the let me play this last one. This is uh, this is just an indulgence. This is, uh, and then we'll get out of here with a question. We'll, uh, I've actually been playing a lot of the Economist this week, but they said something on this week's show and reminded me of me. So I was like, well, I should play that on my show. <laughs> Here's um, us. Right. Don't you feel like Trump's ability to run and win uh, is, is just like with that brand or anybody trying to use that brand? It's like it's kind of it has to be tainted. Like it has to have lost any credibility. The only reason it doesn't is because it exists as like simulacra, right? Where it, like it doesn't like it only pretends to represent something it used to. Well, wait, was I right there? <laughs> yeah, I think you, I think <laughs> you were right there. Nicely done. <laughs> And then here's The Economist asking the same question. I think I listened. ran into somebody this week who said to me, surely the fact that Donald Trump has said such positive things about Vladimir Putin in the past, surely that hurts him politically um, in the future. And I said that I thought not, because essentially, if you're a hyper-partisan, the way you think is you start with your conclusion and you, you reason backwards. So you come up with some position that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, like, well, Putin would never have invaded if Trump were president because he's strong and Biden's weak. What you heard in the focus groups was them being extremely anti-Putin themselves, but totally letting Donald Trump off the hook. They blame the media for how the media interpreted it. Trump recently has backtracked a bit, right? He's, he's saying things like, well, this isn't the Putin I know. He's changed, right? He's changed. And this is interesting because normally Donald Trump can kind of yank the party in his direction, a lot of these voters, and that's not working right now. And so while they don't blame Trump exactly, Trump is having to go meet his voters this time because there's no doubt that the American public is much more pro-Zelensky uh, and anti-Putin uh, than Trump himself is. Do you think that's they're reading too much into that? Oh, uh, into, define what? Well, like him not being able to sort of lead his voters, as they're saying, into, you know, whatever he wants them to believe. I mean, we, before Build the Wall, he was trying other chants and they weren't working. So, I mean, he got feedback like, you know, he, it's he all throws things on the wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, um, or is there something are. to him sort of like trying to distance himself or is that just his that's kind of his M.O.? That is his mo. He's yeah. a slippery, you know. He, yeah. he just you can't pin him to anything. Yeah, like Jello with a nail. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I think I got a question. We'll get out of here. Sound good? Okay. Yeah. Sounds great. All right. Well, speaking of which, do you think we're ever going to see any of these MAGA guys wearing a Z on their hats? Oh god. <laughs> that would be um, wow. Maybe it's funny. So if, uh, my my friend from Arizona uh, is on the uh, HOA board in her neighborhood. And she said that somebody um, posted on their whatever their little 
forum is that they have they can talk to each other uh whether or not it would be okay for them to post uh russian flags um on their homes um wait there are there, really yeah so there wow. there are people willing to lean in uh Was this the villages in florida <laughs> this is in arizona well, yeah. scottsdale i mean yeah. similar wow sometimes wow. okay so i was joking i was like <laughs> no. this is not a care an accurate characteristic of the average maga person like like well, there's some out there yeah yeah wow well oh right because we have this why do I why care what's going on in the conflict between ukraine and russia be- because, and i'm serious be- like why do i, I tell you why and why shouldn't i root for russia be- because, which i am be- <laughs> uh let's do a real one um doesn't appomattox sound like a rejected name for the google play store <laughs> yes it does all right man i'll talk to you soon all right cheers. that was fun no offense does he eat dogs i'm pooping right now is kevin mccarthy a moron and if so why why would horrible. you say something that stupid i come without explanations or solutions i'm a very sexy lady <laughs> ted cruz go fuck yourself read the news god bless the united states now this is podcasting